multiple income streams. If anything, the last few years have taught us that we need a little bit more to supplement what we're already earning. Because as life gets more expensive, our needs begin to grow as well. And we are beginning to ask ourselves the question, what do I need to be doing to be able to supplement what I'm already earning? My name is Sile Polani and welcome to The Workplace Revolution. Today I'm joined by a special guest who's been doing just that, supplementing her income with, um, I wouldn't say a side hustle, (laughs) (laughs) but the common phrase that is being used is side hustle, but it's so much more than that. I'm joined by Ngate Komlambo who is the eldest of two children from Mamelodi in Pretoria. She is a marketing graduate, currently in the final year of a BCom Law. Excuse me. Um, She's uh, full-time employed at an SME banker for one of the four major banks. Katako, hello and welcome to the Workplace Revolution. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's so funny because Katako and I are like very good friends. And now here we are having this very kind of like semi-formal conversation. (laughs) (laughs) But I wanted to have this conversation with you because we talk about this a lot, you know, whenever we're hanging out. Um, And obviously I know what your journey has been like in this particular field, but I think that it felt, I felt that it was such an important conversation for us to have on this particular platform because I've seen how so many people are wanting to find ways to supplement their income or to even just explore different interests. And we know that there's a lot of different investment tools that are spoken about around creating wealth, property being one of the most prominent ones. And that's the space that you play in. That's the space that I play in. (laughs) So how did you get into the property space? How did the journey begin for you? Um, I would say the journey began as an accident or coincidence because... um, Initially, I wasn't into property that much. Mm-hmm. You know, ideally, I thought, when I have a business, I'm going to buy a franchise. You know, because that's the nature of business that I was exposed to. From my paternal side of the family, my uncles, my dad, my aunts, they all ran shops. So that was the business I was familiar with. And one day when my mom and I were shopping, we went to a mall and one of the estate agents had um, an open house. And she said to me, <laughs> and I was, you know, I just been employed and I'm thinking, yes, this is the most responsible adult thing that I'm expected to do. You know, you, you all Buy listen <laughs> Buy a house. We all listen to our mothers. I went on, I registered my name down for one of the estate agents to give me a call so that she can start showing me properties. Three days later, I received the call. We went out, I think I viewed like three or five properties and I decided to sign an OTP on the last property that I viewed because the agent said to me, um, the seller is willing to give you a discount. <laughs> and yeah, the we, magic are, word. <laughs> we are all looking for bargains, right? Mm. I'm like, okay, good discount. I'm taking this property. But now with my limited knowledge back then, um, I just, I realized later that, you know what? What she offered wasn't really a discount. The property was priced at five hundred and fifty thousand. The discount was twenty thousand, and I didn't know that there will be levies, there will be homeowners associations. I also had to pay registration and transferring fees that no one discussed with me. So 
eventually, um, if during the process, she even said, you know, you don't have to live in this house if you don't have to. You can rent it out, have someone pay rent, and you use that money to pay bond. I'm like, okay, let's do that. So <laughs> this is what I'm going to do. after I, So after the bond was registered, I started sending messages to my friends. Hey, I have a property. If you know someone who's looking for a place to rent, please let me know. Mm-hmm. And... Lo and behold, one of my friends said, I actually know someone who has a fr- um, who's looking for a place around that area. I can connect you with that person immediately. I'm like, yes. After work, I went to CNA. I bought a lease agreement. Now, I don't even know how to vet tenants, right? I'm here, okay, CNA sells lease agreement. Here I am. Call my friend. Please tell your friend to meet me at this place that she can sign and move in. They didn't even take in deposit. They mm. didn't even verify that this person is employed. You know, she just said, no, um, my aunt will pay rent for me. I'm like, it's fine. Mm. The first six months went smoothly. The rent was coming in. Then the problem started. One excuse after another. We, ah, please give me time, this and this and that. You know, all these excuses the tenants come up with. And... Then there's the body corporates because they are the police in the complexes and estates. One of the neighbors is always complaining that your tenants are making noise when you call them. Like, no, we're walking in the house. There's nothing that we're doing. And it was just one, you know, one issue after another. But still, I love the idea that I'm making money with a property that I own, but I don't live in. Mm. I said, I need to buy more, you know. Um, I'm now being exposed and I'm hearing people that they're making, they're building wealth using property. I said, okay, I need to start buying more properties. Mm. I approached the bank again. I said, I want a financing for a second bond. They're telling me you don't qualify. Mm. What do you mean I don't qualify? Here's my salary. Here's that other property. It's paying for itself. No, ma'am, you don't qualify. But the thing I did not realize is that when you use your personal income, you reach a, a, a ceiling cap mm. where you know affordability is capped to a certain amount. And that's what I was doing. I was using my income, but the income wasn't growing at the same rate as the property prices. Mm. So the property that I was looking for, I did not qualify at the income that I was earning then. Mm. That really frustrated me thinking, but how is everybody else doing it? Because you hear stories about people say, oh, I, I own 10 properties and I'm renting them out. Mm. Who bought those properties mm. if you did not use your name? One evening I was on social media just scrolling through like we do <laughs> and I came across an ad where they were advertising property seminars on how to invest in property without using any of your money. Mm. And that caught my attention like, Huh, this is something <laughs> that I want to do. So how do yeah. I invest in property without using any of my money? I mean, here I am, the beggar's telling me, no, you don't qualify. I registered for that seminar and it was a two-hour seminar. During the seminar, the speakers spoke a lot about structures, you know, financial structures to help you continue investing in property. And one of the structures was using a company or a trust to invest in property. I'm like, ha, huh. so you can register a company, buy properties using that company, you just sign as a surety and the bank will continue funding you. 
then I decided, okay, I need to learn more from these people because two hours wasn't enough mm. to get all the information. Um, I registered for the master class, and during the master class, that's when they went deeper in detail on how to do different financing options on how to get um, people joint ventures, how to get partnerships, how to get the bank to continue financing you. Mm. But now with me, I first had to change my structure, move the existing property, or eventually the bank financed the second property after putting on a fight. (laughs) So I first had to move the two properties that I had in my name into a trust or a company so that I can continue applying for finance. But during that time, I was also learning about the different, exploring the different strategies that were available. Then when the pandemic hit, right, everything came to a standstill. Like, okay, now what do we do? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people found themselves in a position where their salaries were cut in half. Mm-hmm. You know, some people found themselves in a position where they were not earning anything because yeah. companies could not afford to pay them. Um, landlords, you know, Interest rates went down and a lot of people who were renting said, I can now afford to buy my own properties. And a lot of landlords were stuck with a lot of properties where they didn't have tenants. Mm. And that's when I realized that my tenants were still paying rent and they were paying full. But I realized that this is actually risky if I'm going to rely on this single method where you have a property, you rent it out. Because now you're hearing landlords, you know, rental prices had gone down because the existing landlords wants to keep their tenants. Mm. And I also had to keep my rental the same Mm. for two years because I did not want to lose that tenant and not know if I'll get another one in. But everything else was going up. Mm. The levies were going up. The rates and taxes were going up. The homeowners association fees Mm. were going up. And I came to the realization that if we continue on this trend, I will not afford to pay this bond. Yes, the rental income is coming in, but the bond, the homeowners and the levies, Mm. the bond does not cover everything. It means now I have to subsidize this um, investment Mm. that I have out of pocket. Then I realized I need to find another way to help me subsidize if it's going to come to that point where I have to subsidize. Then... um, I attended, oh, I got another email that there's another property bootcamp. So that's all I'm about, you know, anything property has my name on it. Mm. So I attended a bootcamp and that's when I learned about Airbnb. Now I knew what Airbnb was initially. Uh, To me, it was just another website where people book for accommodation. But I didn't know that you can actually use it as a property owner Mm. to make money. So during that boot camp, um, one of the speakers was talking about how he's making money on Airbnb with properties that he doesn't own, and that money is subst- uh, you know is financing his lifestyle. He gets to travel the world, he gets to be out of the country for half the time, and he is using Airbnb to do all of that. So I thought, okay, I also need to learn on how to do this because obviously the bank is not going to finance me. We're still waiting for the process to finalize my structures where I move all the properties out of my name. But everything on standstill, the deeds office was also taking long with registering trust or whatever else that needed to happen. 
So I gave myself a task that I need to learn how to do Airbnb. Mm. I need to understand what it is and how I can get into that space to start making money. So I did my research. I watched a few videos. I did a course that was online and I understood how it works. I then started looking for properties that I could rent out with the landlord's permission to use on Airbnb. Mm. The first landlord that I contacted, fortunately enough, he knew about Airbnb and he was open-minded. He allowed me to use his property for that. Mm. And that's how I got hit by the buck. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, what a bug it has been. Because how many do you have now? I'm now on 17 properties. 17 properties and via I Airbnb. I don't own a single one of them. Can you imagine... <laughs> Guys, <laughs> okay. I mean, it sounds amazing when you when you when you just hear, you know, that you are making an income, rent renting out seventeen properties that you don't. You're not responsible for the bonds. I'm not right? responsible for the bonds, and it's this additional income. However. We also understand that on the back end, there's a lot that happens because when you sure. think about, you know, the hospitality industry oh, yes. in its totality, there are so many unimaginable expenses that come from dealing with people. Because let's be honest, people don't respect other people's people properties. People don't respect other people's properties and we see it every single day. We see it every single day. You know this mentality that I paid Mm. so I can do whatever I want mm. you're forgetting you're not the only one paying mm. if you're checking in today and you have to check out in today's time there's someone else who also paid to check in when you check out mm. so if you want to leave a mess or damage the property we don't have enough time to fix everything yes there's insurance on Airbnb it covers for theft and damages but you know like put, putting in an insurance claim it takes time. Mm. And some of the stuff that gets damaged, it's stuff that maybe we were bought years ago, they are not even in stock anymore. Mm. So those are the challenges that we are faced. The biggest one now is guest making a booking and asking to check in early. Mm. Okay, you want to check in early at 8 a.m. in the morning. Do you realize that there might be someone who already checked in before you mm. and they, we still need to give them the time to check out? So those little things, keys missing. We once had a guest who left with the keys and said, no, I forgot that I took the keys. And we had to Uber the keys back from her house to the apartment so the cleaners can get in and start cleaning. <laughs> I can tell you right now that I do not, <laughs> do not have the posture to manage Airbnbs. I'm just not told that way. I don't have... I, I feel that it requires a very special kind of patience that I just do not have. And I'm very self-aware to be able to know that, that that's just but not that's true. Um, my thing. What I would always say to people is that even though property is a very popular and good investment tool to create wealth, it's not for everyone mm. because there is work to be put in. Mm. You know, you don't just, like with Airbnb, I'm not just going to, set it up and leave it there yes everything that i 
guest communication, whatever it is, it's automated. I don't have to be physically at each of and every property. Mm. I mean, I've got one in Cape Town and I haven't been to Cape Town since that property was set up. Everything just runs smoothly with the system that we put in place. But you also need to be there from time to time when the guests have questions. Mm. You know, little things come up. And as the first point of contact, I have to be available for the guest. Mm. So I understand what you're saying that, you know, you don't have that patience. It takes a lot of patience because some of the questions that you get asked, you think, hmm, like just read, <laughs> just scroll down and read. Just scroll down and read. <laughs> And, you know, the way my communication is so detailed, I know when a guest did not read a single one of my messages. You know, the first question that I will ask you is, what's your cell phone number? I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> here you go. <laughs> you did not read mm. our instructions. So, yeah, it, there is a lot that happens in the back end, but I'm enjoying it. I'm sure, but you know, when I, I mean, as with anything, you know, a, a new opportunity comes up and it's exciting, and particularly when it makes you money, it's always a fantastic thing. We True. always welcome that kind of stuff. But as with anything else, there are a lot of things that you sit and you go, my goodness, I wish I knew this before I embarked on this journey. I mean, I remember we were, <laughs> we were at Simpio Dana's concert. <laughs> On a Saturday night, and Missy over here <laughs> was busy, busy, busy on the phone, and she had had the week from hell <laughs> because there was a guest that was in one of her Airbnb properties, and when the guest was there, there was a, a water issue, so there was no water in the building, I oh, think yes, it was. Yes. And the, the guest checked out, cool, the water came back. And the guest had left the tap open, open. which the flooded the entire <laughs> the entire. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean orange is a great color on me, <laughs> so I would potentially consider prison, but I like my freedom. But how? What are some of the things that you sit and you when you think about this particular line of business where you think? These are some of the things that I wish I knew before I embarked on this journey. Some of the things that I wish I knew before embarking on this, like you say, the hospitality industry. So you need to learn that in detail. You know, um, right now, a lot of guests are de demanding your Sheraton, your Pretia Hotel treatment, and our rates are not the same. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we're giving you access to the whole place. It's literally like a self-check-in apartment. But, you know, some of the things, and you look, uh, at the amount that you're paying, are you sure? <laughs> you know, and sometimes you get requests like, I want to book for a month, but I want to come and view the place first. Haibo, mm. do you ask the Sheraton to come and view the hotel room first before you book? Mm. But some of the things that I really wish... um we're out there is, you know, how to really deal with customers. I'm in a service environment, but it's different customers. Mm. It really is different customers. So if you can get like a cash cost and say, remember, uh, when you bring them their tea, if it ever gets to that level that we need to give our guest tea, this is how you serve it. You don't hold it with your left hand, hold it with your mm. right hand. Yeah. 
So just, um, I think, a deep dive in customer service. Because mm. a lot of people are going into Airbnb. It's a good way to make money. Mm. And you forget that there are people involved. Mm. It's you. It's your team that you work with. It's the guest that's checking in. And I think also learning about different cultures, you know, um, that's also very, very important because you're having people from all over the world visiting. And sometimes a lot of us, we are just stuck in our ways of doing things that you don't even try and learn the little basics mm. from what are, even as South Africans, we have a lot of different cultures here. But each and every one of us is only concentrated on my culture, my traditions. So if we maybe learned a bit more about what other cultures, how people interact, you know, because sometimes I sit and I need to respond and I'm thinking, hmm, do I, do I respond formally or just casually like I'm chatting mm. to a friend? So those are the kind of things that uh, are always in my mind. Mm. You know, it, it, Someone might listen to you and, and hear, oh my gosh, she's currently running 17 Airbnb properties. She's probably making so much money. Or the person that you know was speaking at the seminar that you attended gets to travel for half the year. They're out of the country and that sounds exciting because you just see dollar signs. You just see dollar signs. Right? But what is the time impact that comes along with managing an Airbnb or a portfolio of Airbnbs when you still have a full-time job? If you set up, okay, let me put it this way. You can do it on your own. Mm. You need to have support, mm. right? Yes, um, everything is automated. The guests check themselves in. I don't have to be there. I send them instructions, the messaging, whatever. But you need to have a team around you. Things break in Airbnbs. One day you get a call, oh, there's a plumbing issue. Mm. You can't do that on your own, you know. Um, there's an electrical issue. One guest once, uh, she was ironing, and when she switched off the iron, suddenly all the plugs are not working. Mm. So you need an electrician to go in and check that. Um, so you need a support team to help you cleaning uh with the one in cape town should the cleaner say i'm not available today and there's a guest checking in i can't fly to cape town and go and clean mm. <laughs> you know i have a job to do mm. so you need to have a team around you to support you and you need to make sure that you work together with that team for the success of the business otherwise you're gonna sit and be frustrated mm. so one thing that um we do is automate the system, especially mm. the check-in. Guests, uh, we put the time there, the check-in is from two. But guests are also human. They have work. They have families. So they might have planned that, yes, I'll be there at two, but life happens. Mm. you know. So you don't want to find yourself sitting and waiting to say, okay, I need to wait for Sile and hand over the keys. There are guests who check in at 10 at night. Is it safe for you to be driving up and down at night to handing over the keys? So the people that I work with closely are the security guards at the complexes. Those are my first responders. Should anything go wrong, I know that they are there. They can assess the situation and tell me, yes, you have to come. Oh, no, it's fine. 
we can handle this for you. You can come the next morning. And they are the people who also help with, you know, quick fixes. Mm -hmm. The one time a kettle broke, it was winter, a kettle broke, guest wanted to make tea. I think we had a funeral at home and I couldn't go. So I phoned the security like, hey, dude, are you using your kettle? He said, no. I'm like, okay, please take it upstairs to apartment, whatever, and then I'll bring a new one in the next coming days. Those little things, the guests appreciate that, you know, at least you're going out of your way to help them be comfortable. Because remember, they're coming into places that they're not familiar with. Mm -hmm. It's your home, or in my case, it's the rented space. Mm -hmm. I know more about the space than they do when they walk in first. Mm -hmm. So if they find that something is not working and it's something that they need urgently, I have to find a way to resolve that for them. On average, I spend maybe two hours a week just making sure that things run smoothly because I don't have to be there physically and because I've built a team around me that supports me. And, you know, um, if I'm not available, I know that I can just send a message to one of them and say, listen, this is the situation, please help. And they all step up and help. Mm. So for somebody who is watching this episode or listening to this episode um, and they are thinking, this actually sounds like something interesting that I'd like to look into, um, because we've seen research that has shown that more and more single women in particular are, in, are buying properties property. or homeowners, mm. right? Um, but also, on the other side of that is the socioeconomic reality of South Africa, which is particularly black people and particularly black women um, don't earn what they Enough. should be earning. Yes. There is no pay parity, really. Um, most South Africans will never get to own a home <sighs> or qualify for a home loan. But there is a, a dire yeah. and desperate need, need to make more money. And so for somebody who's watching this or listening right now, thinking this might be something that I could look into, what are the first three steps that they should take number one you can start by checking the current property that you live in if you have a two-bedroom apartment and you're living alone you can rent out the other bedroom on airbnb i know of a friend who's doing that and it's helping her pay the bond and some of her living expenses mm. or you can but you also need to check your credit profile first because qualifying for rental as well they do the credit checks or you can reach out to other hosts and see if you can be their assistant host mm. and they pay you a fee. It's also another nice way of making money. Mm. But firstly, you can start by checking the property that you live in. Mm. I mean, overseas, people literally... Rent out a room. A room, even the property that they live in in full. Mm. So on weekends, I'll pack my bags and go to Sita's house. <laughs> Some, just, yeah, someone checks in into my property, I make a thousand rent whatever that weekend it still helps mm. and for somebody who wants to pursue the avenue that you've taken where you go to a property owner and say i would like to rent this property for this purpose how would they approach them what did you say okay so i send out an inquiry on property to remember you have to do your research first mm. so number one <coughs> sorry you have to check that the area you want to set up your airbnb is 
um, Airbnb friendly. There is a demand for it because not every area or property will work for the strategy. So you have to do your research. Why? <coughs> What's happening to my throat? <laughs> okay, so you first have to do your research to make sure that um, when you approach the landlord and say, this is what I want to do with your property, you also have to prove affordability, rental affordability, should um, because you, you are going to sign as a long-term tenant, mm. even though they're going to allow you to Airbnb. Mm. So you can't say to the landlord, I'll only pay you once I've made money on Airbnb because mm. he could have simply rented it out to someone who's going to live there for a whole year paying their rent without mm. any issues. So you need to do research. And there's tools and websites that we do, we check to see if a specific property in a specific area will work um, as an Airbnb. And you also need to decide how much extra income do you want. Is 500 enough? Because now if you're checking the rental, remember the expenses are it will be your rental, the electricity, the cleaning, the Wi-Fi, and coffee and tea if you're going to provide that. So those are the fixed expenses that you're going to have. So if you know, let's say you're renting a property for... 9,000 a month, and all you're getting 13,000 income on Airbnb. You pay everything else, you see, you're not going to be covering all those expenses. So, is it worth it to go and rent that property from the landlord to Airbnb if the own income coming in is 13,000? Mm. So, you need to make sure that you at least make whatever income you've set for yourself either a thousand a thousand five or two thousand whatever will be enough to help you supplement your living expenses now we come off the back of the pandemic where you have airbnbs and yes. business has been thriving and then all of a sudden there's a complete shutdown no one's traveling no one's allowed to leave their homes and there's this income that you were dependent on. on, and now all of a sudden it's shut down with immediate effect. How did you navigate that? Because when you haven't planned for that or when you don't have enough disposable income to, to be cover. able to give you breathing room, how do you navigate that? And now interest rates are going up. There's so many things that are you know, becoming hurdles for people who are just kind of making it or just making ends meet. How did you navigate that? Funny enough, we started Airbnb during the pandemic. Mm. And we were getting bookings from local travelers. So it wasn't international travel. And those who were stuck in the country, and you know, with the pandemic, everybody was just in a panic mode where people wanted to be safe. A lot of people felt that hotels were not safe enough during that time. So they would rather stay in an Airbnb and have their own little space without having to uh, bump into people in hotel corridors. Mm. So a lot of those bookings came in as long stay bookings, you know, while you're waiting. And with the extensions, they also extended their stays because they couldn't go out. They couldn't go anywhere. So those uh, were the people who kept us in business during mm. those times. Mm. And yeah, um, 
I remember in 2021 when the new variant came in, we had a lot of cancellation in Cape Town. We had a lot of cancellations from international travelers. And now we were sitting, I'm thinking, okay, now I need to find a way to cover all these expenses because I'm not sure if the calendar is going to be filled again. Mm-hmm. Within a week, local travelers filled that calendar mm-hmm. because they couldn't go out. So it might as well travel in our own country. Mm. So we've got our locals who are traveling and people who say, I'm renovating my house, so I need a place to stay for the month, two months, until the renovations are done. Mm. So those were the people who kept us in business. Awesome. This has actually been such an interesting conversation and I hope that you have also been able to glean a lot of info that maybe sparks some ideas for you or somebody in your circle. So if you have any questions or you want more information or you want to know those resources that Ngateko was referring to, where can they find you? You can call me on 082-306-4430. You can send me an email ngatimlambo at gmail.com so that's n-k-a-t-i-m-l-a-m-b-o at gmail.com tell us and yes (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for having this conversation with me and for so freely sharing all of this information which i think is so incredibly valuable for so many of us as we really do consider what are the different ways in which we can expand our professional and financial portfolios this has been a new episode of the workplace revolution thank you so much for joining us and i look forward to seeing you next time Mm -hmm.